0: Hi, everybody. I'm Brittany Lewis with Forbes Breaking News. Joining me now is Forbes Travel Guide's President of Ratings, Amanda Frazier. Amanda, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's
1: a great time to be here.
0: Thank you. Of course. And before we get started, I want to extend a big congratulations. The 66th Annual Star Awards officially just dropped. Before we dive into the list, can you explain what a star award is?
1: Yes, happy to, and thank you. Yes, 66, it's a big year for us. Um, You know, when we talk about our ratings and how they're earned, it's one of the biggest questions we get. So thank you for asking, how how does one earn a star rating? I think the most important thing is that we don't give them away. They're not paid for. Um, Every hotel, restaurant, spa, and now cruise ship on the list uh, independently earns these ratings um, through their hard work. And essentially the process in a nutshell is that we will schedule an incognito evaluation the evaluator will go through the series of standards that we have um, they're not the ones that decide the rating they actually don't even know the rating until today until uh, we've uh, published it uh published it live on our website but you know it's essentially an algorithm that determines a- an outcome of a star award that is heavily weighted on service actually 70 percent goes towards service uh, but the great thing is it's a race that never ends every hotel even though they're earning this year and have done a terrific job you get a do-over you get a chance to run the race every year so they're actually already working towards their 2025 awards
0: that's interesting That there's such a heavy emphasis on service what's the other criteria aside from that well
1: there's quite a lot you know it's it's quite a significant achievement to be approved for a rating to be approved to be scheduled to get on our list and we have quite a lot of criteria that we determine who's eligible to earn a place in the scheduling queue, essentially. And some things that we'll look for, of course, you know, we want to see that the facility itself is of high quality. uh, But we also look for things such as, does the property, if it's a hotel, offer evening service? Um, If it's a restaurant, what does the food program look like? Uh, And sometimes we even talk with our Forbes Travel Guide travel professionals to find out their opinions and what they're hearing from the consumers that they sent um, to the hotels. But generally, nothing gets approved to get into the scheduling queue unless we think it can achieve a minimum of our entry level award. And some of those things I just mentioned go into determining that.
0: Ever since we really came out of the pandemic, I think people have really not taken travel for granted. And it seems like when we talked last year, it seemed like travel was starting to get back into the swing of things. It seems like it's full force now. So without further ado, can you give us a bit of an overview of the list? Yes, thank you. The list
1: is actually really exciting this year. I, I describe it as having a lot of energy, and um, historically, for the first time, we are now star rating more than two thousand winners, which is a reflection of the you know rebound of the travel boom. We we literally can't keep up with some of the new openings and catching up um, since the pandemic. Um, but you know, the the list is great, and when you look through, there's some you know great historic luxury brands on there making appearances with some of their newer hotels. So. Uh, the Mandarin Oriental Palace, Lucerne, uh, is, a, is a new uh, entry on the list as a five-star, and also the Ward of Astoria, Kuwait. Um, but also what I love about our list this year, particularly, is that it really reflects some of the great travel trends that we've been watching and spotting and um, see evolving. So if you're, I guess, really into high adventure trips, uh, we managed to get, finally, uh, to Nairobi this year in Kenya. Uh, Giraffe Manor uh, is on the list this year. And then also we got over to Rwanda. Uh, one and only have two new uh, five stars on the list: the Gorillas Nest and also the Neongwe property that they have. So that that was really exciting to finally get to uh, to complete those. And then you know it's it was clear very early on in the year as we started the evaluations that there was a lot of great service uh, performance coming out of the Middle East. So Dubai alone this year. Um, we ended up with 13 new hotels just out of Dubai including obviously I think everyone's heard of the Atlantis the Royal which is just about a year open so it's having its one-year anniversary that has earned a spot on our list as a new five-star but the Middle East in general even when you look at Doha with the new raffles and the four seasons that are on the list the the Middle East has the most new five-star hotels in general as a region so we're really excited for what we're doing coming out uh, of, uh, of Dubai and Tohar and, and other countries in the Middle East.
0: It sounds like from what you're saying, people and vacationers are more focused on adventure opposed to relaxation. Aside from that, what other trends are you seeing? You know, we're actually seeing a lot of trends that lean into living well and well-being.
1: I mean, some of the numbers that you know are coming out in some of the DWI um, the reports I can't even keep up with because people are so focused on feeling well, not only while they're traveling, but by the time they leave as well. Um, so you've got brands like Suneva, for example, that offer the chance um, you know, to spend time with wellness gurus while you're staying at some of their properties, so breath breathwork you're interested in or mindfulness. If it's something that you do all the time and want to continue that, or I guess whether you want to explore it, these are things that some of these great brands are offering and even a brand like Montage, um, which is one of our, uh, only all five-star hotel companies this year, which is really exciting. Their particular locations—they um, really, really do a great job with their destination-centric outdoor space. So you can really find something to do that is specific to that area you're working in, uh, that you're staying in. Whether it's you know a mountain uh, side destination or right there on the beach at Laguna
0: you talked a little bit about some international destinations specifically in the Middle East, but let's turn domestically. What are some places that you wanna highlight that are in the United States that are featured as Star Award recipients? You know,
1: we had a great time going throughout the United States this year with our evaluations. And you know, one of the things that came up quite early on and something that we've been watching and have known for a while is that there's a lot more interest in some of the secondary cities that we have here in the United States, so this year you're going to see four new award winners out of Nashville, which is obviously if you haven't been to Nashville, it's a, a must see on your list. It's just up the road from where I am, um, and you know, uh, one hotels have a new uh, star rated property there: Conrad, JW Merritt, and um, the Hermitage makes a reentry onto the list as well this year after a recent renovation. Uh, but also, you know, South Carolina um, has a new property: the um, Charleston Place. and and not to forget New Orleans. Actually, the South made a a really good showing on the list this year. Uh, And even Arkansas have a new hotel, a new star rated hotel, the Oak So we're really excited for what we're seeing happening in some of these lesser thought of destinations when it comes to where to travel around the United States, particularly
0: for international travelers coming here. Can you talk about that a little bit? Can you describe and define what a secondary city is? I mean, a secondary city is
1: going to be somewhere that has easy access to an airport, like a major airport. I mean, obviously, take, for example, Nashville, like I just mentioned. It's driving distance from Atlanta. Um, It has obviously its own airport, but it is a destination where you can, as a traveler, get away from a typical capital city. So, you know, if you're thinking of going to the U.K., but you kind of want to avoid London, then consider going further north, maybe to York or into kind of obviously the... um, the north part of England, certainly into Scotland, which has another new five-star hotel with the Trump Turnberry. So there's a lot happening in destinations outside of some of the more typical cities that you think of when you think about countries. So London, Paris, uh, Milan, whatever it might be.
0: When you're thinking about going on vacation, where you should travel, if you can travel, a big factor, obviously, are the dollar signs that come with that. The price tag that comes with going on vacation. How expensive are these destinations? Is there a a big price range? Are they all very expensive? What does that look like? It, it it can
1: be i think it's all relative right now the average stay at a property on our list is hovering right around $650 a night which is obviously up from a few years ago we're not really seeing too much softening of the rates um but you can still get great hotel deals i mean it depends obviously if you're willing to be flexible in las vegas you can still get a a great hotel on the strip a star rated hotel probably for under $500 a night if you are as i said flexible with when you stay but then you, know, you, you take an example of an all-inclusive luxury destination like a villa in the Maldives, um, you can pay thousands a night. Um, but it's all relative because it depends what's included. And all-inclusive is becoming an increasingly popular requirement when people travel because I think they need to have less friction when you travel and they want to have an easier time and not have to think about anything. I think that's what's driving the demand for more inclusive uh, rates. And naturally, those are going to be higher.
0: I do now wanna pivot a bit to business travel. We're four years out from the start of the pandemic, so I am wondering, are you seeing business travel recover? Definitely,
1: yes. Actually,
0: I just had some calls
1: as early as on as this week. I think from business, there's a couple of things. Number one, they're seeing a lot more long-term booking uh, secured out there. So I know a couple of major uh, conference facilities, uh, uh, conference-related hotels are seeing bookings all the way out to 2028. um, so I think that just tells you you really have to, as a convention planner or somebody wanting to host a big meeting, you really need to kind of have your your plan together. Um, and then also what we're seeing kind of related to that business travel is that individuals are planning personal travel to kind of bookend that experience a lot more. It's not such a
0: new trend. I think people have always mixed business and pleasure, but we're seeing it a lot more now. That's really strategic there. And aside from bookending your business and personal trips, how are people traveling? Are they doing more solo travel? Are they going with groups, with families? What does that look like? You know, it's a real mix. And
1: I think like we talked about at the top of the call with the pandemic, the pandemic made people a lot more comfortable with being by themselves or or certainly um, doing things solo that they might have ordinarily done um, as a family or as a couple. So we are seeing more solo travel. Um, Giraffe Manor, you know, interestingly, is a great spot for solo travel if you're kind of either ending or starting a safari and trying to get that big bucket list uh, trip ticked off your list. Um, But wellness travel as well, especially. I mean, we've just touched on the strength of the well-being trend and it's not even a trend now, it's just a a lifestyle, it's beyond a trend. But um, that is obviously a really great option for traveling solo. Brands and hotels and, and, you know, even cruise ships now are really providing a really great option for solo travel, not just the ability to book a cabin or a room as a single traveler, but itineraries and people that will care for you and understand your individual needs as a solo traveler. So it's a lot more to it than just booking a single rave room.
0: And when you're seeing different travel trends, do they really vary and differ based on generation? Are millennials traveling different than Gen Z than Boomers? You know, I think so. I, I, I def- we definitely see that. And in speaking to experts in that
1: space that monitor that sort of data, you know, we see that as we travel as well. I think you, you're, you're still going to see the Boomer generation um, spend on traditional luxury travel. But I think an interesting point that we discuss a lot lately is that we now know that the younger generation, the Gen Z generation, who I think the upper end of that is like 26 years old. So they're just coming into, um, into the workforce. They spend a lot of money on travel. A large percentage of their income is spent on travel. And actually they're influencing their parents' decisions and their grandparents' decisions of when they're doing family travel on where they should go and um, you know where they should spend their time.
0: And when you're looking at this list, the 2024 Star Awards, how do they differ than the Star Awards lists in the past? You know, I think I mentioned
1: this. The list has a lot more energy. The pandemic years, of course, were really subdued, understandably, and it was all just about kind of holding on and getting through. Uh, In 2023, last year, everything obviously really came back to life. We had a great launch with our cruise ship star ratings. Um, But 2024 has just so much more um, dynamic options on the list now because we were able to get to those destinations that reflect some of that well-being emphasis that I mentioned and the high adventure. And above all, just everyone's really looking for authentic travel experiences. And the hotels, restaurants and spas on our list are doing such a great job really delivering on that. And I think you'll see some new additions. There's more than 200 new star ratings on the list this year. Um, you know, And there's brands as well that are coming onto our list that we haven't actually been able to get to before. Um, so the Address brand and the Lux brand um, are making uh, great appearances on the list with several really uh, wonderful properties that are really um, great to kind of put on the list and, and try when you can.
0: I really like your optimistic tone here. It definitely sounds like a good time to travel. Amanda Fraser, thank you so much for joining me and congrats again. Thank you, thank you, Brittany.